Hello, friends. It's Monday, March 23rd. There are 358,000 cases of COVID-19 in the world, but 100,645 people have recovered. It's been three days since the closure of the Canada-U.S. border and seven days since the strangest St. Patrick's Day in modern memory. But uh, that thing that you had tickets for today is not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening today. It's not happening today. So welcome to Not Happening. Uh, today on Monday, March 23rd, uh, there's loads that isn't happening. The Leafs will not be taking on the Florida Panthers in an important divisional game as they struggle for one of the last available playoff spots, and they may or may not come away with a critical two points, although according to a simulation of the NHL season that I've been keeping up with, uh, thanks to some wonderful writers at The Athletic, the uh, imitation digital Leafs won that game. So that's something to celebrate if you like numbers. Come From Away, the amazing musical about the beautiful town of Gander, Newfoundland, and their incredible response to the September 11th crisis uh, will not be staged at the Royal Alexandra Theatre, so there's that not to look forward to. And of course, March break isn't happening. Although, since school isn't happening, it sort of is. Does it count as a break if it doesn't give you a break from anything? It's a gray area. But I'll tell you what is happening today is I am going to be chatting with Francesca Trotman. She is the founder and managing director of an organization called Love the Oceans. They're a marine conservation organization in Mozambique in a place called Ginjata Bay. And they use this wonderful community first approach to marine conservation. So the eventual goal is that they want to create a marine protected area in this bay and then hopefully beyond there to protect the wildlife, the reef structure and everything that they have there all of these natural treasures but rather than going straight to the ocean Francesca and her organization are starting in the community because long term unless the community gets involved these changes aren't going to be instituted properly they're not going to be well maintained and so they're not going to endure so Love the Oceans does a number of things in the communities there in Ginjata and the neighboring Pandani they do swimming lessons with a lot of the kids in the community so that uh The next generation grows up feeling as though they're in and around the ocean and they have a sort of a sense of stewardship of it. They feel close to it and they enjoy it more than anything. And that also helps prepare them for careers that might uh, emerge uh, from an ocean that's protected rather than just being a choice between fishing or not being involved. They might be able to be stand-up paddleboard instructors. They might be able to be scuba dive instructors. They could be boat captains. They could be surf instructors. They could repair surfboards. They could do all sorts of amazing things. So in addition to the swimming lessons, they have a school program where they educate kids about the ocean and preserving it and its value. And they also have partnerships with schools across the UK where Francesca is originally from, bringing marine biology students from all across the UK out into the field so they can see up close what a holistic approach to protecting the oceans can look like. Chess splits are time between the UK and Mozambique, and we chatted just a few days after her return to Mozambique, which she undertook under these strange circumstances we're all living in today. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Francesca Trotman and our chat we had about what isolation can look like in paradise. 
how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, day seven of um, quarantine now, so going slowly insane. But yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> can you can you tell me um, about your quarantine? Like, where are you? <sighs> so it's. I mean, I have to be careful that I don't complain too much because it's pretty good in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I live in a straw hut, um, which you visited last year. But um, so I'm in this like straw hut, essentially, uh, with the sea, probably, I would say like my my estimations of distance are terrible, but I would say like 200 meters from the sea. Um, so I can see it every day, but I can't go in it because if I go down to the beach, I'll probably bump into someone and um, then the whole like self-quarantine thing is kaput, um, which is super <laughs> annoying because I've just done my stand-up paddleboard instructors and I want to get out on the board and spend some time on and in the ocean. But uh, alas, can't do that. So Mozambique basically implemented, like the day I landed, implemented a mandatory quarantine for everyone from high-risk countries. And the UK was on there. Um, and that's a 14-day quarantine. So I arrived last Monday. And it's now, I think, Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. Yeah, the it's Monday. Together. <laughs> um, yeah, my friend brought around my stuff because I leave all my stuff here. He dropped all of that off. And then I had to move it all into the house uh, on my own, which is all super heavy. So I sweated absolute balls doing that um, <laughs> and shut the door. And that's been it, basically. The manager of the local shop, I know. So he just drops, I send him a message and go like, oh, I need some more eggs. And he'll drop some stuff on my porch, um, which is pretty good, actually. It's as close as uh, Mozambique gets to like Uber Eats. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not, you're not allowed out of your of your straw hut well so i've got like a porch area um that i sit on and do my work because it's nice to have the breeze because it gets like so friggin' hot during the day so i did yoga on my porch and i was it was basically hot yoga i was like sweating so much (laughs) and it was like one of the chill yoga sessions where you just lie there and kind of half sleep and i was still like literally dripping in sweat i've been out there and i do i didn't experience heat that was quite that extreme that's you were midwinter this is like whatever comes before winter (laughs) yeah that's the previous one yeah pre-winter as we call it here in canada Oh, that's amazing. No, I didn't think of that. It's quite funny because so many people here are talking about how, um, oh, okay, we should just go off to a cabin in the woods or we should go off to, to a beach somewhere. Quarantine would be so much better then. But I think people are really missing the key difference between self-isolation and quarantine. I think yeah. self-isolation is is very much keeping to yourself, keeping away from other people and doing, you know, doing everything you can to maintain that important distance. But quarantine's different. And yeah. I don't know if people are observing that difference. Yeah, I don't think I saw a post the other day of some people that were like on a boat and went like into the ocean and were just chilling with each other and they posted it being like oh yeah in quarantine and I was like I don't think that's exactly. quarantine <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's four people that all live together in the same house and nobody else is no, involved maybe yeah so then there you go uh, no that's exactly the sort of problem that I'm talking about yeah. so okay with with this in mind you're you're very close to a paradise but trapped in your in your straw hut so for me it's early on a Monday but I guess for you it's afternoon on a Monday what uh what is not happening for you right now this time of year i would be in a normal non-apocalyptic world i would be preparing for um some students university where we do placements with newcastle university in the uk so i'd be preparing for them to arrive um 
and they'd be arriving in like a week. So I'd be running around like a headless chicken, chicken, making sure we've got equipment and everything's set to go. But because the UK has got a travel ban on and all the universities have pulled out, um, my work is now just basically all digital. Um, up, like, and obviously I'm in quarantine, so I can't do any of our community work. And with the government, it's just banned gatherings of like more than 50 people. So that means that the schools are out, um, and I can't go to any community meetings. So it's all just a bit on hold at the moment. I would ideally like to be having my cup of tea down by the seaside with my friends, but <laughs> I can't see my friends and I can't leave my house. So I'll have my tea on my own, probably in bed. Um, but, um, otherwise I'd be, I'd probably be, uh, well, I would have dived this morning, which I haven't been able to do yet since I've been here, which is really annoying. Oh, that's um, tough. yeah. Uh, and I also, there's, um, new instructors here that I haven't met. So there's like people that are just legitimately, I've seen them walk past my house, like a hundred meters away and I'm just here <laughs> on my own. so diving isn't happening meet and greets aren't happening tea down by the seaside's not happening i've been trying to look at things uh every day i've been trying to look at a productive thing that i'm doing that i can celebrate and then an unproductive thing that i did that i can sort of forgive myself for so do you have a productive thing that you did today i worked for a little bit okay i started writing a lecture on how to create the perfect cv for a marine conservation job okay very cool that's that's yeah. a very productive thing. We just started doing, um, we had like loads of job applications in January and I had to route through, we had two positions open and I routed through 45 applications, uh, CVs. And I got so, like the rage of a thousand burning suns when I was reading through CVs that were rubbishly written. And I was like, <laughs> screw this, I'm doing a workshop and how to write a CV because our students need to know this for when they apply for jobs. That's, that's a great idea. I remember we were accepting uh, CVs for photographers of the board um, when we were trying to get uh, some more editors on the team and uh, in bold in the in the job description, it was saying, include your reel. If you're a creative and you're creating content, I want to see your content. Yeah. If you're applying for a creative position and you're not going to show me what you can do, w- there is no point to the rest <laughs> of your resume. And we would still get submissions like in week three of the posting, people being like, hey, yeah, no, it'd be great. I mean, uh, email me if you want to see my work. It's like, no, 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 no. You're emailing me because you should be wanting to show your work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. got applications addressing, like getting the name wrong for Love the Oceans. Oh, wow. Um, Um, Yeah. Sometimes it was completely wrong. Like they'd actually addressed the wrong organization because they'd clearly scattergunned and had like a standard like cover letter that they sent out and then forgot to change the name. Sometimes it was like love the ocean singular, which it's a pet peeve of mine. So it just like really annoyed me, even though it was such a minor error, I would read it and I was like, oh. Maybe they just only are in love with one of the oceans though. Yeah, exactly. They chose the Indian Ocean and they were like, that, that one. one, that's the one I'm going to love. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also I had a couple of times they'd addressed me wrong like my name wrong completely wrong that always blows my mind especially when people have to address me at my email address which is my first name dot my last name yeah i had someone address me as fran on my email and my email address is francesca so i was like mm-hmm. mm, i don't think that you should be shortening my name this quick <laughs> this relationship we don't know each other this well <laughs> now i'm just being fussy though <laughs> uh, that's allowed i feel like at day seven in the hut you're allowed to be a little bit fussy yeah <laughs> so tell me tell me an unproductive thing that you did today. Um I 
slept. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that is a human necessity. Oh, no. You know what I started doing? A very unproductive and totally a shameful thing that I shouldn't admit to, especially on a podcast. But I started watching Teen Wolf as a recommendation <laughs> from one of my friends. <laughs> that's brilliant that's I'm a so great ashamed answer. of it but it's actually kind of like good. so I just finished watching Lucifer last night that was an incredibly unproductive weekend I binge watched all four seasons all right. and oh my gosh if you haven't watched it you should watch Lucifer it's addictive I haven't had a season where I've got so addicted that I actually looked up whether they're releasing another season when I finished it oh, wow. in a very long time yeah like you know when you google it and you're like oh my god I have to see the next one mm-hmm, absolutely yeah. I haven't done that in like literal years so that was i was i was really impressed with lucifer lucifer okay i'll check that out that sounds great <laughs> yeah it's okay good. very cool so, so okay so teen wolf that's a good thing to forgive yourself for i think <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie after this podcast i'm probably gonna continue watching that while i work <laughs> you know what you're you have my permission <laughs> um, so then another thing that i've been asking people that i think is a, is a really helpful thing especially when everything sort of has to be shared digitally is i've been trying to share like wholesome content or, or sort of uplifting types of things so have you seen anything that's particularly really been like oh that's sweet or or something that's heartening or anything encouraging like that that you could share yeah definitely so i follow um it's an instagram account called the good news movement all right and it's like a daily dose of just happiness it's so cute yesterday there was like a dad and he had his daughter on the kitchen counter in there in isolation and they had music on they were both dancing in exactly the same way it was so cute that's (laughs) Um, awesome yeah dancing their way through isolation and then there was like a couple of other things that were like really really funny on there um, so yeah, I just, I followed their account for like my daily hilarity. Can you tell me about this book that you finished? Was it uh, a good one? Would you recommend it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like the last couple of years I've got into just reading quite some, um, it's all nonfiction basically. And it's all like books that I want to challenge the way that I think about things. I really enjoy kind of expanding my brain and, um, opening it up to new things and thinking about things that I haven't really thought about before. Um, and like, whilst marine conservation is my biggest love, I also find like, um, feminism really interesting. Um, and the different kind of sides of it. The book that I've actually just finished is not really related to that, but I still found it really interesting. It's called, um, a true story, a false report by T Christian. I think is the author. True story, a false report. Yeah, and it's it's um it's actually got made into a series on Netflix, I believe. Oh wow! Unbelievable. Um, it's basically about this girl that uh, got raped and reported to the police, and the police didn't believe her, and like basically coerced her into it's all a true story into retracting um, the allegations, and it turned out it was a serial rapist, and he went on to rape like a bunch of other women who came Whoa. forward in different parts of the US in different police departments, and then a completely different police department solved the crime, and the rapist kept like photos of all his victims, and they ID'd this girl and then went back and found her and said like oh we actually know that you were raped wow and it's kind of like yeah kind of it's angled from it goes into each like victim's individual story but it was it's also angled from like that kind of looking at her and what that meant for her life um because all her friends and family like basically thought she lied and stuff like this it's really like kind of crazy that 
um, yeah, it kind of goes into like the stats on how many people do come forward and report sexual assault and how many, how many people are like believed and not believed and, and where that stems from and that kind of history. It also goes into like a bunch of like the FBI tactics uh, and kind of software that they use to identify different stuff. It's, it's really interesting. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, it's because that's a story that we hear we hear the edges of all the time. We hear all all the time in the news about how how many sexual assault cases aren't uh, aren't followed up on, how many end in uh, acquittals. But then that tends to be the end of what we get told. So I feel like a, a deep dive on something like that would be really uh, useful as well as really interesting. Yeah, definitely. That was a really interesting book. And then I've actually basically started building like a bookshelf in Moz um, for our staff because in our obviously in our downtown time our staff just want to chill and and books are a really nice way of like unwinding after a long day when I read a book and it completely changes the way I think about something or it completely enlightens me to a subject that I want to like build a bookcase of books like that that have kind of been Mm life-changing so I've started doing that now so if anyone is looking for good books to read I've just recently kind of finished um uh, Invisible Women by Caroline Perez, which is about data bias in modern day society. Oh, amazing. And feminism from that kind of angle is more of like a scientific angle, which obviously as a scientist, I found really interesting. And then I also finished Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, which is like their history of racism in the UK. Again, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And then also I just finished reading Waking Up White, which is so good. That's about like basically white people and and colonization and goes into like the whole history of like white supremacy but also what that means in modern day society and why society is shaped the way it is and what people can do to um change it and yeah it's, it's super interesting that's brilliant. Like as a white person, the question I find myself asking and I find my uh, other white peers asking is what are some actionable items that we can do? You know, like what are, what are the actions you can take to change your behavior and change the way of your thinking rather than just, uh, you know, being like, hmm, yeah, no, you're right. No, it should be different. And, and then yeah. and then sitting and doing nothing. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing is like assumptions, isn't it? Um, like I found reading all these books, it's made me kind of wake up to it a bit more. And, and instead of assuming that everyone kind of has the same, um, like obviously I've always understood like class and things like that have an input in it as well, but like just understanding that someone who is in the same, like say social circle as you and stuff like that, but is a different color from you would have had completely different, um, completely different experience in the world. Um, and that's, kind of mind-blowing when you regard someone as like a really close friend and you just think they're kind of the same but actually their experience has been so completely different well I find books like that generally very interesting to kind of challenge your perspective on things and make you think of um life from other people's angles yeah I, I like uh, I like your effort uh, that you've chosen your reading specifically to challenge yourself I, I found that um, a big challenge for me is I read only fiction for most of my life and it wasn't until the past couple of years that I started reading non-fiction and it was just because I found myself interested to know more than the very surface level uh, argument or the surface level introduction that a news article or a documentary was often willing to give me. I wanted more. And it wasn't that that was the first thing that started getting me down the track of reading nonfiction. And it's only now that I'm I've adjusted to to reading both uh, fiction and nonfiction that I can 
pick up those things to challenge myself because up till now it was, it was just about trying to understand things. I felt like I didn't have a good enough understanding of anything to have that as a basis to then challenge. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, maybe, maybe that's not giving myself enough credit, but that's how certainly how it felt for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was reading scientific journals, so <laughs> nonfiction definitely for sure. Um, for like, since I was like 18 and then it was only last year or maybe the year before that I actually started reading books again. Um, but up until that point, if I had read a book, it was fiction. And usually, like, I, I think I read when I was a kid, I used to read more fiction books, um, more books in general. And then it's only like the last kind of couple of years that I've really got into like more books. And I, it actually started with self-help books, reading like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck um, changed my perspective on like the fact that society makes you think about so many different things and that actually... Like the theory, okay, excuse the number of F-bombs that are about to drop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the theory of like not, um, the subtle of not giving a fuck is that you've got a limited number of fucks to give and society tells you to care about like all these different things. So like how you look and what makeup to wear, what clothes to wear and how to work out and all these kind of things, which leaves you with less fucks to give about the important uh, about the important stuff in life so like your friends and your family so the subtle art of not giving a fuck is about um retracting those fucks and then just keeping them all so that you give a fuck about the important stuff i like that and that kind of like put me on this whole trail of really interesting books that kind of challenge the way that you think and kind of open your brain up a bit more. I had one recently. I was, um, I was working on a project in the Galapagos and uh, I was very, very privileged to be on a boat with a number of the best uh, whale shark scientists in the world. Not boasting or anything. <laughs> no, I was just, it was really, it was a really wonderful circumstance. And I feel like <laughs> there are so many people who would have benefited more. So I try, I, whenever I'm in a situation like that, I try and ask as many questions as I can so I can still take some away because I know you put a marine biologist in that spot and they are going to get a lot more out of it than I would. So I want to try and take as much advantage of the situation as I can. And because we were there in the Galapagos, we were talking about Darwin every single day. And I thought, okay, well, it would be really great afterwards to go and read and uh, read Origin of Species after this. Every single person said, okay, that would be, that's great and everything, but you should start with Humboldt first. You know about Alexander Humboldt? Yeah, that rings a bell. I'm just, I've got a really long list of books um, that I want to read and I'm just checking my book list to see if I've got it on there already. So he, he was, um, he was like a, a 17th, 18th century uh, Prussian scientist, but um, he seems to be largely forgotten these days in terms of like everybody knows who Darwin is. Everybody knows about the origin of species. Everybody knows like, like he's, He's the, one of the prevalent minds and names that you associate with a lot of that stuff. But uh, Humboldt came before him and Darwin himself credits Humboldt as like there would be no Darwin without uh, without Humboldt. And so this uh, a woman named Alexandra Wolfe uh, wrote this amazing biography of Humboldt just a few years ago. And he was one of the first people to think holistically about science in terms of thinking about how you can't study one thing in isolation. You need to look at the way all things are connected. And he was looking at correlations that we're just we feel like we're just coming around to now. Like he was looking at the correlation between the negative effects of colonial and the environment when 
he saw slavery in the northern parts of South America when he first oh, traveled wow. there. Like, and this is this is two hundred years ago. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And he he also is responsible for a lot of things that we we still use every day, like isometric uh, charts that we use for weather. That's thanks to him, and we still use a lot of the original uh, representations that he created. And then the other thing is um, uh, plant. Category. I'm going to say this wrong, but uh, the way plants are categorized in terms of what climate zone they'll grow in. Oh, cool. So there's a, it's like a cat, it'll be like a 13A. That means it needs this amount of uh, moisture in the air and this amount of altitude and this amount of, uh, of heat or whatever the case may be. He came up with these zones. And these are, if you go to um, speak to somebody who studies plants or you go to speak to a gardener or a farmer or you go to a garden center or anywhere, the, these are still the categories that plants are put into 200 years later. And it was just a really amazing person of whom millions of things are named after. There's a Humboldt County and there's a Humboldt Current and there's a Humboldt Squid, but nobody seems to know who he is anymore. And I feel like we're only just now coming back around to a way of thinking he was pushing quite a long time ago. So I read this book about him and it was just brilliant. And I feel like as a, as a scientist and a biologist, you'd love it. I'll put it on the list. It's called The Invention of Nature. And it was, yeah, that was one of those ones that really changed uh, my my way of thinking in terms of uh, in terms of all of that stuff, because it was just so shocking to see someone from such a long time ago think this progressively. And he was quite famous in his time as well. And yet here we still are. It's really, really bizarre. You know, It, it created a lot of cognitive dissonance for me. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll definitely check it out. Okay. Uh, the the very last thing that I would ask you um, just is, do you have any advice for people after your seven days in isolation on how to keep your head up? Um, for me, routine. All right. I really like routine. So like, I'll, I like having lions. So I'll, I'll have a lion in the morning while I can, because usually I'm up at like five or six a.m. in Mozambique, so I'm enjoying it while I can. Um, but then I'll like get up, I'll have breakfast, then I'll I like clean the dishes, brush my teeth, give the house a quick clean, then get my 15 minutes or whatever in the sun and read my book and then do some yoga, then get to work. Split that up with breaks here and there uh, and then settle in. At like after I make myself dinner and then after dinner, get into bed and then settle in for the night with some absolute trash Netflix, like Teen Wolf, no judgment here. <laughs> um, it kind of feels like a waste to binge watch Netflix. Like my whole weekend was just obsessed with Lucifer. But then it's also something that I haven't done and I don't even know how long. So I think it's just like making time now for the things that you didn't get to do when you were just living life normally um, and appreciating that and making sure you're okay with your own company as well. Like I'm, I'm absolutely fine being on my own. Like I've never had an issue with just spending time on my own, but um, some people do. So investigating that is also important. That's great. I think that's really good advice. Thanks. Right on. Well, thanks so much for uh, for joining me. I know it sounds like you've got a very busy schedule, so I'm 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 glad that you managed to find time to have a chat. But I, I really appreciate it. It was a great chat. No worries. Thanks for having me. This is uh, Francesca Trotman, and I'm Jeffrey Garriock, and this is not happening. Mm-hmm.